World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you in January 2008 from the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina. But, as always, not speaking on behalf of the university or representing their ideas in any way. And the same for the guest. He speaks for himself. The university goes its own way. Classes begin today. But uh, not for me. I won't teach till next week. So I'm here with you uh, to talk about Civil War issues. First, uh, the shameless self-promotion must continue. Uh, Did Lincoln own slaves? Another frequently asked questions about Abraham Lincoln. Uh, published this month, January 2008, uh, uh, a week or so from now, will be out, and I will be going to various places in the Midwest uh, and hope to meet with some people listening to Civil War Talk Radio uh, January 26th at the Abraham Lincoln Bookshop in Chicago at noon uh, Central Time to do a uh, virtual book signing, which will also be available uh, virtually through your computers at the website of the Abraham Lincoln Bookshop, and that will be archived if you're listening to this long after January 2008. You can still go back, uh, I, I believe, and see that event, which is in the future as we speak now, but will be in the past as you listen. This is turning into bad 60s science fiction. Uh, January 27th, Mitchell Books, Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, 7 p.m. January 28th, uh, Borders Books in Gross Point, Michigan, 7 p.m. January 29th, Shaman Drum Books in Ann Arbor, home of the Victors, at 7 p.m. Uh, January 30th, the Regulator Bookshop in Durham, North Carolina, and February 6th, Coil Ridge Books in Raleigh, North Carolina. Those are all at 7 o'clock in the evening. So do come by. We look forward to that. We'll greet all Civil War Talk Radio listeners with exclamations of comradeship. Also, while we're talking about the future, uh, well, let's talk about the past momentarily. If any listeners could assist with this, I would be most grateful uh, in trying to compile a full collection of MP3s of past shows the website is lacking a few of the segments, and I know some listeners have written in to ask where they are, and I don't have any access or control over them. Uh, but if anyone has uh, some of the shows from 2005 and could send MP3s to me, I would be most grateful. The ones uh, missing from here at the Civil War Talk Radio World headquarters are the shows of September 2nd, September 23rd and December 2nd of 2005, and the shows that are only partially complete, uh, both on the website and in my own records, are those from April to August and September 30th to October 14th, all in 2005. So if any of you have such enormous amounts of storage space that you've actually stored these old shows and and have copies of them that... uh, on your machines and could send a copy to me, I would be very appreciative. Send me an email. Let me know if you do at uh, prokopovichg at ecu.edu. There's a link to that on the website. uh, I'd be be very appreciative of that. uh, There may be more 
news about our, our show in the future, but we'll save that for next week. In the meantime, we'll move ahead with... Uh, uh, well, let me say one more thing. As always, uh, donations to the show are welcome. Uh, there are uh, rumors flying about that the overlords of Civil War talk radio are planning to raise the weekly rate, which is currently zero. Uh, I do the work. Uh, they don't pay me. I don't pay them. Uh, and, and you're not bothered by commercials, at least in theory. Um uh, but that rate may go up uh, from zero to several hundred dollars a week, in which case Civil War talk radio would uh, either need an incredible amount of donations or uh, have to go out selling commercials, both unlikely, or uh, move to a different Internet home. Uh, in any case, uh, donations would be appreciated to support uh, the last of those options. And if you do contribute uh, $50 to the show, uh you will receive, if you wish, a copy of All for the Regiment, History of the Army of the Ohio, uh, first edition signed by me with inscription of your choice. Happy to do that. Um, so if, if you wish to do that, you can uh, uh, send donations by PayPal to CivilWarTR at AOL.com. Uh, CivilWarTR at AOL.com is the PayPal address for the show. But enough uh, merchandising. Let's move on to the 19th century, where we belong. And welcome our guest today, uh, Robin Ansell, the archivist of the UK branch, the American Civil War Roundtable. Robin, are you there? I'm here, Jeremy. Robin, it's good to talk to you. It uh, The sun is, well, not actually shining. It's a cloudy day here. Uh, it's about 3 in the afternoon. But I'm guessing it's already evening where you're calling from. It is. It's 8 o'clock in the evening, and we've had a terribly wet day. Ah, well, we, we could use that here. We've suffered a drought in North Carolina all summer. And, uh, well, you're welcome to have some of ours. We've had more than we need today. Uh, so uh, a fair exchange there. Well, thank you for, for calling on, on your own dime from the U.K. appreciate that very much. And uh, I'm very interested to ask, uh, uh, first, uh, Archivist of the the roundtable is, is, I assume, uh, an avocation, a, a hobby or part-time sort of thing. That's right. right. Yes. Uh, so, so what what's your day job? What do you do when you're not uh, doing? My that? my day job is almost similar to it. I'm a librarian, in fact, at um, the Dorset History Centre uh, in the West Country of England, which is um, a county council-run institution which helps people research their local history, their family history, um, their house history, any history that's relevant to this part of the country, particularly Dorset. Well, that, tying in with what I said in the introduction, if, if uh, the, the English Civil War is really a topic of, of, of great fascination, and on top of that, you personally work in, in the history field, uh, why, with all that uh, there before you, uh, what, what draws you to the American Civil War? Well, interestingly, um, when we had our Roundtable's 50th anniversary um, in 2003, I asked this very question on one of the side tables at our conference and got some interesting answers, which we then put into our journal, known as Crossfire. And the common um, reason people expressed for getting into the Civil War were either films, perhaps in their youth, seeing Gone with the Wind, or the Westerns, 
of John Ford, where often you got oblique references to the Civil War or late unpleasantness. And um, often people said they'd been inspired by a particular enthusiastic teacher when they were at school, so I'm sure that rings bells with you. And um, also on my part particularly, and there were, I was not the only one, there was a series of Civil War news, I think you in America call them trade cards, we called them bubblygum cards, that came out at the time of the centenary, came out in 1965. And these were collected avidly by schoolboys or school children uh, of that date. I still have my complete set, and that sparked my interest. You may remember them. They were available apparently in the States in a slightly larger format. But then we're used to Americans having bigger <laughs> of everything than we have in the UK. I gather they were bigger in the States, about twice the size. And they had very gory battle scenes on one side of the card and on the back, a description of the scene, which was reasonably accurate, um, arranged as if it was a newspaper in two columns called Civil War News. That, that's fascinating. I don't remember those cards. You don't remember them? I don't. Right. Well, uh, when I was in the States for the first time uh, in uh, millennium year 2000, I was in Fredericksburg, and I had taken some of my spare cards along and went into a shop there, which I think was called the Collector's Den, which may or may not exist anymore. And I showed these to the um, chap who was running the shop, and he said, oh, he remembered them well, but they were bigger, definitely bigger, the American edition of them. But maybe what might uh, trigger uh, your memory is that along with the card, they were wrapped up in a rather gory red wrapper, and inside there was usually an inedible piece of hard chewing gum, a bit like hard tack, Mm-hmm. and a reproduction Confederate dollar. Hmm. Very authentic reproduction Confederate dollar, in fact. About three-quarters full size. And I remember at the time a lot of people uh, passing them off as real notes in, in some of the smaller shops. Wow. Well, I remember collecting uh, baseball cards. Well, similar kind of thing, yes. Same idea, certainly. And, and the card hobby uh, expanded grotesquely when when my generation grew up in the late 80s 90s there was a boom in that sort of thing yeah and, uh, and then collapsed again uh, people were collecting for collecting instead of for the fun of it yeah yeah uh, but but I, I don't remember those but I, I do remember uh, an issue of classics illustrated uh, of the red badge of courage or your that, uh, yes I've got a very sort of a tatty copy of that as well that probably helped inspire me as well but I think by the time I bought that I was already hooked well, it was the gory art that made me think of it. Uh, <laughs> yes. I remember the the, the yeah. colorful characters hitting each other with rifle butts and so on. Yeah. Well, I think the cards made me think, well, I wonder if this information on the back of them is true or not. And there are always passing references, as I said just a few minutes ago, in westerns, which I grew up with on Saturday evenings on television, watching them, and there were always oblique references to the Civil War, and there never seemed to be films about this Civil War. It just seemed to be a past reference. And that really inspired me to dig a bit deeper and find out just what they were referring to. And I'm not the only one who was inspired by these cards, so we're, we owe a lot to them. Well, that is very interesting, and, and I wonder, I'm, I'm sure a number of our listeners are familiar or maybe have a few tucked away in a drawer. Yeah. Uh, well, there was 88 in the series and a check card. And they're, they're, I was just checking before I came on air, in fact, in the listing I had of a collector's. Um, 
uh, price guide about 10 years ago, a full set was worth about $50, uh, $100. Hmm. With which uh, $100 in, today in your money is, is you know enough to perhaps buy lunch, I think. Yeah. Well, it's not fifty pounds, so well. and uh, yeah, it's probably worth a little bit more now. Probably best part of a hundred for hundred pounds for one in good a set in good condition. Uh, well, it, it's always interesting to see how many people of about the same age uh, who grew up uh, just around the time of, of the centennial of the war uh, have these memories of, of cards or the, yeah. the, the toy soldiers produced by Marx brother Marx. Oh yes, toy soldiers as well. The Britons models. Yeah, I still have my Confederate gun team and limber with a Napoleon 12-pounder. No, I have one of those as well. Uh, <laughs> they, they are magnificent models. Uh, yes. I got mine as a, as a birthday present when I was little, and I was smart enough not to play it to death. And yeah. They're very very nicely detailed, aren't they? And they're made of metal, most of it, rather than plastic. Yes, yes. They yeah. uh, they still make uh, figures, but they're not nearly as... as uh, complex and detailed as, as the ones they made at that time. That's right. Now, you mentioned uh, the 50th anniversary of the U.K. Civil War Roundtable. So this has been going on... Uh, Since 1953, believe 1953. it or not. Um, I gather the first one in the States was 1940, which was the Chicago Roundtable. That's right. And 1953, a group of uh, people, three chums, got together and founded something in London called then the Confederate Research Club which uh, is obviously a little bit partisan by title. And by the time of the centenary, it had changed its name to the American Civil War Roundtable UK. And I think they, that was probably a very wise move because it attracted a lot more people, I'm sure, when it had um, a, a less um, partisan title. But it certainly had its ups and downs over the years, and it's not been plain sailing by any means. It had got down to, in the mid to late 1960s, um, after the centennial, it had dropped off again to about 60 members. But I'm pleased to say it has increased over the years, and we're now around about 200 membership. Members who live in Britain, obviously, but also in America and Australia, and members with all sorts of backgrounds, myself as a librarian, as I've said, over the years we've had surgeons, clergymen, army officers still, uh, accountants, authors, and some of our members do write on the Civil War and get published. So anyone can join this without necessarily being local to your meetings? That's there. right. Um, I live in the West Country, and it's um, 120 miles from London where I live, the meetings we have every other month are in London, but they're held on Saturday afternoons, so they allow you time to travel up there if you are out of town. So yes, you can join whether you live in London or live uh, further afield, and uh, their meetings are well worth travelling for. The meetings, at least at one time, they were held at the National Army Museum, as I You're right. Um, they still, uh, well, they still were. I think the first meeting in our new venue will be, in fact, um, next month when we've moved to the Civil Service Club, which is off Trafalgar Square and slightly more central. Um, the National Army Museum had been a good venue for several years, but there had been a few administrative hiccups in recent years, and it was decided it was time to move on. Yeah, well, it's a fine museum as well. It's yeah. a very interesting place to visit. 
the uh, so so you're around 200 members, and you have a publication uh, you mentioned. We do. We have um, a journal that comes out three times a year called Crossfire, ably edited by one of our members called Greg Bain, and we get contributions from members uh, with specific uh, interests. Um, which might be British-related. Someone might have tracked down a British participant in the Civil War who's perhaps buried here and they want to tell everyone where his gravesite is or just relate his story because he's been long forgotten. Or we may get articles about well-known Civil War personalities such as General Burnside, any general you care to name, really. Everyone's got their firm favourites and, uh, uh, and they all get written about. And if somebody wanted to join this and subscribe to the journal, what uh, is there a website they would go to? Yes, or? we've got um, an excellent website run by our member, John Lasky. And the website, do you want me to give it now? Yes, please. Would that be helpful? Uh, www.americancivilwar, written as one word, lowercase, .org.uk. AmericanCivilWar.org.uk. That's right. For listeners who want to join that, we're going to take a short break. Come back and talk more about the interest within the UK in the American Civil War with our guest Robin Ansell. We'll be right back on Civil War Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. 